Hey there, this is Ryan and Victoria Cole. You're listening to Needed Conversations. So glad that you joined us today. We're in our series on communication. And so we are helping you to communicate more effectively with your spouse. And if you're single, you're going to want to listen to this as well. Because communication really affects every aspect of our lives. You know, how you interact at work. But if you're dating, you're going to want to know how to communicate as you're dating leading towards marriage so that you can set yourself up for lasting love. Um, We're excited about this series. Are you? Yeah. And you, like Ryan mentioned, you do want to learn the art of communication before you start dating, not until you find somebody to date. Because again... We are, you know, in a world where I think people are lacking in communication because we're behind screens and behind our phones and on social media. So it's easy for us to type certain things. But when we're actually in front of a person's face, it's hard to be confrontational. And I think that a lot of people think that if a person is confrontational, there's criticism and I just I want to escape it. So we want to help you to be able to communicate well with your spouse because it is very important. You got, you are going to have disputes. You're going to have fights. And um, we want you to be effective in the way you communicate so you both understand one another. Yeah. And before we jump into today's conversation, I want to give you our phone number, 864-428-7131. And you can text us all of your questions as it relates to uh, communication, marriage, purpose, Dating. In fact, you can actually text either the word dating or marriage to 864-428-7131. And we will send you out, um, you know, encouragement from time to time through text message. It's a discreet line between my wife and I where we're answering questions. It's like a, a, a hotline almost. So we're helping people um, discover their purpose and to have more fulfilling marriages. And, and that's exciting. We also have a bunch of events that we have planned throughout this year and a lot of resources that you can find at moremostforever.com. I want you to remember that phrase. It's kind of the centerpiece of our teaching on marriage, more, most, forever. So if you can remember that, you know our Instagram and you also know our website. So visit us and check out all of the resources, blogs, um, books, courses, It's packed full of great wisdom for your marriage. Yeah, there's definitely no excuse for you to beat around the bush and not really dive into God's best for your marriage and whatever God has in store for you in regards to dating and relationships. All of it, all of the relationships that you may have, uh, you want them to be mutual. So we want to teach you how to have those and how to have really good relationships. So yeah, make sure you check us out on our website. Yes. And so... We want to scratch where you're itching, and that's why last week we put out a poll on our Instagram to see what are the main issues in marriage that you need help with, and I think it was around 48% of you said that it was communication, and so this was the number one challenge, and we're going to be building some more resources off of this podcast, but today, let's talk about your emotions, right? Because that has a lot to do with how you communicate as well. And whether or not you're being effective in communicating with your spouse, um, psychologists and scientists have shown that there are two things that kind of cut off your decision-making ability or your rational logic, um, and that is anger 
and um, lust. And so those two things kind of desensitize you in a way, and it really causes you to make more um, in-the-moment decisions and probably decisions that you would regret. And in particular, in communicating with your spouse, when you allow anger and emotions to overwhelm you in that moment, it can inhibit you from making progress and actually getting to a resolution, what you really want. And so let's talk about emotions for a minute because emotions are good. We all have them. And I think one of the things, and maybe you can speak to this, Victoria, that I want to address right off the bat is sort of the stigma that we've attached to women uh, because of the fact that they have a period every month, although it's been shown that men have sort of a male period because we have hormonal fluctuations as well. And even in your marriage, you will ebb and flow with your wife. But I think women have gotten this stigma um, that they are crazy or that they are um, what? What are what are some of the labels I, that that we want to just kind of eradicate today? Yeah, crazy and overly emotional or overdramatic is that, is that what I've, hear, I've heard? And this is not to say that this excuses a person that uses their emotions as a manipulating tactic. But it is true that women can have uh, or tend to be more emotional. And that's not to everybody, you know, that's not everybody's thing. Maybe, you know, you're the exception. Maybe you don't go through those kind of things. But like for me, I know that I, you know, I have a monthly cycle and then me experiencing uh, parenting and being pregnant and then delivering a child and dealing with like the post uh, traumatic stress and um, it's real. It's all of it is real. And um, sometimes you feel like you're crazy yourself. Like sometimes us as females, we ask ourselves like, are we crazy? You know, because we don't really know how to identify whatever it is that we're going through, but it's just our hormones may be balancing out. We may be going through a struggle. And like we have talked also in our spicy series, that whenever you're intimate with your spouse, we as a female are also incubators. So we, whenever a man gives us a seed, we give them a baby. But also it goes way deeper than just the procreation part of it. We're really prophetic in nature. So when a man is experiencing something and they may not be showing that emotion, a lot of times women can experience that after they've been intimate, that there's just this heaviness that they're experiencing within themselves. And they can't identify, they can't put their finger on it. It's not something that their spouse communicated to them, but it's real. I mean, I know we went through this too. And ever we had, you know, marriage counseling sessions or we've had times of ministry and we've talked to people. It's almost like they had this aha moment too. They're like, wow, yes, I've experienced that too. And I thought that I was feeling depressed or anxious or feeling that heaviness, but it was actually, it was like my spouse communicating that to me through the intimate act of sex. And that's why we are talking about sex being such a powerful tool, not just for the physical act of satisfaction. It goes way deeper than that. And so, um, you know, just removing those labels off of women and really learning to understand your spouse and what they're going through and like their monthly cycle. And maybe it's something that they go through every month that you notice, maybe their mood kind of fluctuates and how you can approach that better. Maybe certain things you don't say um, or certain things you don't do or try to be very cautious with that. Also being very sensitive when your woman is, you know, pregnant or once she had a baby and, 
you know, having a baby is a lot for those of you who have been parents. Um, sleepless nights, that can tip anybody over, you know. So um, there's a lot that a female's body really goes through. So just let's remove those labels aside and really uh, try to understand one another and why we're experiencing what we are experiencing because a lot of times it's way deeper and sometimes it could be trauma. It could be past trauma too. So yeah. And just as a side note for the single people, that's another reason why you should be abstinent before marriage Uh because um, there is sort of this exchange in your soul as well that affects your emotions. And some of you women in particular, and I hate to say this, but it affects women even more than men. Not that it does affect men but because you're a natural receiver you're carrying the wounds and the scars of those men that you've slept with a lot of times um because you've you've tied your emotions to it as much as you say oh it's just a physical thing there is an emotional connection that you've made with that other person now as it relates to marriage and what victoria was saying Men, we have to give grace for the women in our lives and understand that their ability to feel deeply is a gift. I've said this before, and men take an apostolic role in the household. An an apostle is one who brings governmental structure and order and leadership and vision, and a woman takes a prophetic role, right? She's a seer and a feeler and a prayer warrior, and she has this ability to see in areas that you can't see and feel in ways that you cannot feel. And again, uh, in the world that we're living in, I have to preface this. Not all men are extremely non-emotional and not all women are extremely emotional. I think that we fall somewhere along the lines, but if we were to take all men and all women across the spectrum, the vast majority of women are more emotional than men. And and emotions don't just mean you cry a lot, mm-hmm. it's that you feel deeply and you are in tune with those emotions and are aware of what's going on with them. And sometimes that can make you feel like that you're losing your mind. And as a man, I felt that to some degree, we all do during transitions in our life. When we're asking God, what's next for me? Or we, we change careers or we're stepping out on faith or, you know, God gives you this dream. You feel a bit crazy on the inside and that can trigger emotions as well. The thing that we don't want to do is label one another as a certain way because then we automatically uh, put this barrier from being able to receive from them because we just say, oh, my wife is crazy or she's emotional instead of saying, oh, she feels deeply and God could be showing her something or let me lean in with her, right? Not that I have to sit here and cry or whatever, but that I can, you know, pray with her and comfort her and not necessarily give her an answer if she's struggling with something, but just just to be present in the moment and not checked out and distracted. And, um, And so we have to remove those labels from women, you know? Yeah, as a spouse, we want to be the safe space for your spouse to approach you. And I'm saying to women and men. So you have to create a safe environment where they feel at liberty to be vulnerable with you. And if you are going to label them, then they're going to close farther in. And you're going to then later on find out, like, how come 
my spouse is not opening up to me. Why is this not working? And why is that not working? Because it's like you've completely shut them down and you have invalidated their feelings. And so it's very important to be sensitive, whether it's, you know, to your husband, if a man is being silent, it doesn't mean that you get just because you cry, you're more emotional. Sometimes men are more emotional and they're just not vocal. I think women tend to be more vocal. And so sometimes when, you know, they express their emotions, they are the ones that are crazy, but men tend to bottle it up. And that's even worse because, then like your spouse is kind of left figuring out what it is that you are going through. And is it this, or is this, this, and then you can come across as a nagging wife too, because you're trying to dive deep and trying to figure out what it is that is really wrong with your spouse and how can you help? Because I think majority of the people have a sincere desire to really help their spouse, you know, not really just to probe what are the wounds of your past or traumas or whatever that you're feeling so that they could be put down again making sure that you are that safe space for your spouse to come to and express their feelings express their emotions and for men sometimes that means that you don't present a solution you know a lot of times men are solution driven and sometimes women just need a companion sometimes women just need to cry it out and um, you know sometimes crying out is is soothing as well Um, and so just being present, like Ryan said, and just, you know, holding their hand or saying, you know, I don't know what you're going through, but I'm here for you, you know, not necessarily just trying to offer a solution every single time. Um, I think that will definitely earn you some brownie points along the way. Yeah. You know, I talk to my kids about their emotions a lot and they're toddlers. And so they're crying a lot. That is their, um, go-to strategy. And, you know, I say, give your tears a purpose, right? If you're crying over something that isn't all that important, I know you may think it's important now, but then when you have something legitimate that is worthy of a good cry, right, then um, the people around you aren't going to be as sympathetic, right? So I think that you have to lean into your emotions when it's appropriate but also know how to rein those emotions in mm-hmm. and to not allow those emotions to drive your decisions because a lot of times you're not going to be as logical. And I think the reason why a lot of women tend to be more emotional than men is because they don't compartmentalize their life as well as men do. So they swirl everything together and what happened at work and what happened with their friend and what happened with their husband, it's all rooted in the same thing. Whereas men see things as kind of in their own category and can disconnect, right? And, and from the challenge at my work, from the challenge at, you know, my house or whatever that we're dealing with. Now there are times when we have to recognize that a lot of what we're struggling with in our life has uh, common threads, of course, and those common threads all lead back to us and areas in our soul that need healed. But I think um, it's just in general, women tend to um, pull all of those things together. And then when they don't have a husband who is giving them the attention and the focus that they need or feel like that they have to suppress those emotions and can't be free to express them around their husband, then they become more and more mixed up with everything else because they haven't had a proper outlet to release those emotions. You know, one of the greatest places that you can release those um, uh, emotions are in worship, 
Like if you're, you know, needing a good cry, like get in the presence of God, put on some worship music or go to a church service and allow your tears to just flow. Nobody's going to look at you crazy, especially if you go to a more like charismatic Pentecostal church. They're going to think she's just in the presence of God and you are, but it's that cathartic release as well, where the Holy Spirit is that comforter to you. And what I would say to the husbands is you have an opportunity to allow the Holy Spirit to use you as a comforter to help ease those emotions and vice versa, ladies. Again, men grieve in in a different way than women do. We grieve hard and fast normally, and we move on to the next thing. Women grieve not as hard, but slow and over time, and they tend to carry it with them for a longer period of time in their lives as well. We're more relational, so it, it affects us a lot more than... I think a man when it comes to relationships because we are relationship driven. Yeah. And Dr. Caroline Leaf talks about the male and female brain in in one of her books and talks about how, you know, one's not more like men are not smarter than women or, you know, in more intelligent in one area than the other. It's, it's not necessarily the outcome that we get to, but the, the journey as to how we're going to get there. And women tend to, move in that journey through relationships. Mm -hmm. Men tend to move in that journey of an outcome through their work, Mm -hmm. right? And so it'll eventually affect their relationships, but really their identity is found in what they put their hands to, whereas women oftentimes find their identity in who they surround themselves with and who they relate to. Um, And there's a lot of nuances with that, you know, introverts and extroverts and, you know, like my wife, I, you know, she is a, a, a real legit introvert. And even the fact that we're doing this podcast is kind of out of her comfort zone. Um, but we're pulling her out, you know, she's doing great. <laughs> uh, but even when we got married, like she didn't have a bunch of best for girlfriends or whatever. And in the same way, she wasn't. I still don't. And I'm, I'm good. <laughs> in the same way, she wasn't all that emotional. Um, yeah. when, whenever we got married, however, I will say a few, you know, about the first year or so into our marriage is when those emotions started coming out. And there's a lot of reasons for that. We were both virgins when we got married. Um, you know, whenever you start being intimate with someone, you know, it tends to trigger some hormones and, so that can cause some different emotions. And of course, once you get pregnant, you have um, kind of a, an, a flux of emotions as well. And that's one other thing I want to say before we move on to kind of the other side of this conversation about emotions, which is um, kind of the insensitivity that we would have had towards women after they have children mm-hmm. and the baby blues and that postpartum depression is real and it, it may not last that long. It could be a couple of weeks or months, but for some women, it lasts far longer. And we have to have grace for them. We have to support them, men. We have to pick up the slack around and help carry more of the weight and be that strong figure that they need and also give them space to find themselves again in this new season, as well as seek help when they feel like that it's beyond their ability to overcome Mm -hmm. and to move through, right? They may need some 
additional support through a therapy or other means. And we should encourage them to do that and, and not place a stigma upon them as if, you know, they are somehow less of a mother because they feel a certain way. I mean, I've, I've known women and, and heard stories of women who don't have that lovey emotional feeling towards their babies. Like they don't have that I'm in love like I've never been in love before. And that is sort of depressing. And I think their love for their children comes. But um, for whatever reason, their hormones and their emotions are not allowing them to connect in that way. And we should support them in the process. What, what would you say to that? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a lot like Ryan said. It's not only, you know, going through the physical aspect of, you know, uh, having carrying the baby for nine months and then delivering the baby and then your body being completely different and then you trying to take on this responsibility that you may not have had, you know, experience in before or, um, you know, kind of thought that you were ready and then it just kind of came crashing on top of your head and then just the pressure of, making sure that you're, you know, feeding your baby a certain way. And you get this influx of so many opinions coming at you. And if you are vulnerable, especially, um, that can come crashing on you as well, because it will be opinions and suggestions and things that people try to push on you um, that you may not want. And so because you're already going through so much in your body, hearing that can be very hurtful and just farther pushes the person into isolation. And then the fact that they're, you know, restless at night and the baby is waking up, you know, weird days. I mean, I remember when I was having my first child, uh, just waking up during different hours of the day. I didn't know whether it was Monday or was it Friday or was it Sunday or was it morning or was it evening? Cause it was all mumble jumble. There was just so much that goes on. So again, like Ryan said, men, be very sensitive to your wife. Pick up the slack. Don't separate your tasks and say this is the womanly task and she's supposed to have the children and I'm not to change the diapers and do whatever. Support her. This is a child that you guys created together. And um, I think that, that your your spouse needs to feel the support by being presently there listening to what they're going through, making sure that you're attentive, but also making sure that you're hands-on um, with, with helping your wife with as many tasks as she can so she can feel like she's not drowning in all the responsibilities that are fresh and new. But, I mean, there's a lot more to break down to that as well. I'm sure we'll dedicate probably another episode to uh, women and what it is that we're going through or we, we go through uh, and when it comes to having children but yeah and this is um Nash international women's history month so you know shout out to all of the wonderful powerful women who uh you know make this world go round i think that we need both expressions of uh, the male and female expressions in the earth for sure we've talked about that uh, you know with we are made in the image of God, male and female. So apart from both expressions in the earth, the full image of God is not represented. Um, however, women play an integral role in our society from birth to the grave. Like your mom is this resounding uh, influence in your life. And so um, not just that, women are leaders and women are um, strategists. And, uh, you know, they are actually... 
um, by the book, more educated than men in this generation. More women graduate from university than men do. So women are doing phenomenal things and should be given all their props. Um, But let's move to the other side of this conversation about emotions and how that affects your conversations. You know, we've talked about um, making sure that you lean into those emotions and, and ask yourself, what are my emotions telling me? And husbands allowing your wives and allowing each other really to have the space to express those emotions. I know we talked about crying, but it could be screaming. We, we've talked about um, that's just both of you feeling as if you're not being heard or seen. And so you have to step back and you have to uh, readdress how you're communicating. Maybe you, need, maybe you need to write letters to one another, um, pass there, a journal there, back and forth. There was one point in our uh, marriage that we started doing that because I'm an introvert and I, I don't tend to express myself right away. And I think it took him a while to understand that I don't really have anything in my mind at that time. And so I think at that time you had me write letters because that was something that I've done before when I was younger. And I think I was better at it writing beforehand uh, before actually speaking. Yeah, and it helped me to understand kind of what she felt like she couldn't put into words when we were just talking. Um, Because there are times when I ask Victoria, you know, how do you feel about this? And She's, you know, she doesn't have an answer. I don't have any feeling about this or, you know, I don't have a response or I'm fine. And and I'm fine really doesn't mean I'm fine. And I think one of you is going to be the digger in, in the relationship. Um, I don't know. Maybe both of you are. But I'm the digger in our relationship. Like I keep digging at her, trying to get to, to her Uh, her to express what's really on the inside of her. I think for so long she had pushed that down. But as we talk about all of these emotions, what they really tell me, if you're allowing your emotions to drive your relationship, is that you are trying to avoid the tough conversations that really need to be had. And so you have to be careful with your emotions because You can start learning how people respond to you based on those emotions and start using them as um, weapons or strategies to avoid the tough stuff. Um, For instance, every time you guys get into a discussion that's uncomfortable, you cry and he walks away, right? Because he doesn't want to deal with you when you're crying. Um, This is just an example. It could go both ways. I, I don't know. Maybe you're the crier man, but... Um, I mean, it's more commonly the way that I just described, right? But subconsciously, you are avoiding the tough conversation, both of you. Both you for allowing the waterworks to become like a faucet that you turn on and off, and him for running away at the first sign of watery eyes, you know? Um, You've got to wrestle with one another until you come to... Um, to a terms with what what you agree the path forward is. Now, agreement doesn't necessarily mean you now both uh, agree about the best way forward. It just agrees. It just means that you've agreed on which way forward you're going to take, and then you move out into the world as a united front. Right? We we just have to come to a consensus about what we're going to do. And then uh, how we're going to move forward. So um, when you use your emotions as a tool to manipulate, there is something else going on 
that you don't want to address. And that has to be addressed at some point. Yeah. I mean, I think of our kids and children learn that pretty, you know, quickly on, um, especially, you know, when they're infants, it's understandable. They're new to this world. They're uh, experiencing a lot. And so their only way of communicating is crying. But as a child grows older, like our children now are in toddler phase. And I know with my son, he is now going to be four years old. When they start picking up vocabulary, you need to be disciplined enough to stop them and say, crying no longer works. You know the words for this, and I want you to fix your attitude. Don't cry and talk at the same time and tell me what it is that you want from me, and then we'll have a conversation. And, uh, and this is the way you need to also mature as an adult, that you don't use, like Ryan said, a crying tech, like t- uh, it's a tactic for you to cry. And, and it's not out. just crying. It could be screaming, right? Yeah. You scream, and it's a defensive mechanism, and you put up a wall so that that person can't respond to you any, yes. anymore. You know, um, and, and I, before I, I step into this example, when we're talking about our kids, uh, we take a really measured approach. Like, I want both my daughter and my son to feel like that, that emotions are welcome yes, in our for home. Sure. Like, they can cry. They can feel something. They can feel sad, and they can feel disappointed. I think identifying those emotions as such, because there are some deep, dark emotions that carry the same uh, external responses um, as some more positive, you know, because there's a dis- difference in grieving. Um, Victoria and I were talking about this earlier this week, right? Because um, do you mind if we share, you know, some of that conversation? No, you can. Yeah, we've been looking at the crisis in Ukraine and everything that's going on, and we have family there. And so um, staying in, in as much communication with them as possible and just looking at the situation as a whole and grieving for the humanitarian crisis that is going on over there. And um, this week, I felt as if Victoria and I recognized this, you know, that she was going into from grief into hopelessness, right? And then she started asking existential questions about life in general. And it's reasonable for her to question everything from her faith, for both of us to, um, from everything from our faith to um, life in general. Uh, But I think that we have to draw the line and not allow the enemy to take the thread of our emotions and pull us into a place of darkness and ignorance and faithlessness, right? Because grieving is a natural part of life. We grieve loss. There's a time for everything, as the book of Ecclesiastes puts it. But um, there's a time when you've got to dry your tears and you've got to put some action in place and, and not allow your grief to turn into hopelessness. If faith uh, is, is, is faith is the substance of things hoped for, once you lose hope, you lose faith too. Right, and then you can't see beyond what's staring right you right in the face. You can't dream for anything bigger. You feel guilty for being, um, you know, survivor. Uh, you know that you're not in, in as much trauma, or you feel victimized because you were a part of the trauma. Whichever side of the coin that you fall on, it's easy to slip into grief uh, from grief into 
hopelessness. And, and that's where you have to make a measured response about your emotions. That's what we encourage our kids to do, like Victoria said, right? We tell them, now that you know the words, I say, Toby, use your words. Son, use your words. Your tears are not telling me anything other than the fact that you're frustrated, right? And there's a time to cry, but now is a time to use your words. But that's the thing is that we as parents, we recognize that and we're stopping him so that it's not a learned um, uh, learned tactic that he uses as going into you know his adulthood that he uses the same thing you as as a child transitions and picks up different vocabulary there's certain things that are no longer acceptable that was acceptable when they were young you know so that's the same thing maybe you're dealing with specific kind of emotions and you see yourself doing this over and over again um maybe again you need to address whatever trauma it is that you're going through and that's causing you guys not to have a good communication because it's triggering whatever trauma you have on the inside of you and you just start the waterworks. So it is your responsibility to take responsibility for yourself. And what are the emotions telling you on the inside, addressing that issue? Because it's not something your husband or your wife can do. It's something that you really have to come before God and allow them, uh, allow God to heal that place of your soul so that you can come to the table with a with a healthy um, in a healthy way where you can communicate and use the vocabulary to express to your spouse why you do what you do and why you're feeling those emotions and listen it may be a struggle it may be something that you've been dealing for years and um, you couldn't find the words to express but if you get before God I promise you I, God will really show you what it is that you're dealing with and how to really uh, um, receive that healing. And then also express it to your spouse and tell them, I'm sorry that I've been expressing myself in this way. This is the trauma that I've had, you know, when I was a child. And this may take a while for me to uproot, but I need your support. And I need you to help me to, you know, you know, encourage me and motivate me not to fall back on the tactic that I've used for years that might have worked with other people. But now you're in a relationship. This is also will bring you guys closer because these are good, vulnerable moments. And just expressing yourself to your spouse, I, I can guarantee you, will bring you both closer uh, together um, as you're learning to express your emotions in a correct way. Yeah, I, I think that so many of us are locked in that childhood trauma, right? We were not given the ability as a child, to express what hurt us. And the only thing we had was our tears. And so many of you out there can relate to that. You, the only thing that has given you any measure of comfort over the years has been your emotions, your tears, your anger. And you wear that anger and that pain like a blanket, like a a, a robe of honor, so to speak, right? Because it has given you uh, certain outcomes. It helps you to avoid certain situations. Listen, being a victim, and I'm not saying that you're a victim. This is another example. Being a victim is a strategy, right? And it gets people, you know, to to a certain place that they want to because, you know, manipulation is a, is a big deal. Like, it really works, right? Um, and it's hard to swallow the fact that you may be that, 
whether that's you're a, you've taken on a victim's mentality or whether that's you've not had the outlet to express yourself and so emotions have been your only tool to get your way, let's face it, people don't want to deal with people that are screaming at them or emotional. And a lot of times it works, but it's not an effective strategy. It's not a mature strategy to get you living this um, abundant life that Jesus promised us. And it's certainly not an effective strategy to build a healthy marriage. And so today, I want to validate those feelings that you're feeling on the inside of you that have not had uh, the place in the space to be expressed And maybe you need to talk with your spouse about that. Maybe this is an aha moment for you to say, maybe that's why I am overly emotional, whether that's crying or screaming. And and maybe that's why I resort to these tactics, because I never have felt like I was heard in my life from childhood until now. That This could be a moment of healing for, for some of you out there, a breakthrough even in your marriage. Have that conversation And also, learn to ask um, uh, more thoughtful questions to one another to help, you know, examine what it is that you're struggling with and what those roots are instead of asking the same simple questions. You know, it's always why me or why are you the way that you are? But let's get more detailed about the type of questions that we're asking, right? And look at it, turn it like a prism and look at your situation from all different kinds of angles. And hey, you might need some mediation. We're here for that. We offer um, couples mediation, like couples coaching. Sometimes you just need a third party who's unbiased to sit with you and help you dissect or really the key to good therapy, right? And good coaching is having someone who will ask the questions that you didn't, never you've never them. thought of uh-huh. and you, you would have never even asked yourself before. And uh, our goal is, We never come to the table to say this is exactly what you should do in your relationship or in your life in general because the answer that you bring is the answer that you own. And we've learned that as coaches. Um, But we help you ask the right questions so that you determine what the strategy is that's going to get you to where you want to be in your life and in your marriage. And so let us help you. We offer marriage mediation. You can find out more details at moremostforever.com. If you're having trouble communicating with your spouse, let us know you want um, to book a session. You can book it right there at moremostforever.com in person or virtual. We're in uh, Greenville, South Carolina, but Zoom works just as well. Um, And also, right at the top of our website for this series at moremostforever.com, there's a blog where I've I've, I've listed out um, eight effective keys to healthy communication in marriage. So go read that blog and let that be a jump-off point. Read it with your spouse. Let it help you start the conversation. And then reach out to us if you need um, some additional support. Yes, there's no, there's nothing wrong with asking for help. I think it's a lot better to ask for help so that you're not living in the same cycle over and over again. And it's nothing to be ashamed of. Whether you're a man or a woman, you're not less because you're asking for help. Uh, we have had, you know, our mentors and we have looked up to so many couples 
and have had conversations about certain things that we've struggled with. And so we, um, we are here to help you guys bring everything to the light so that you guys are not walking in darkness and experiencing uh, the same cycles over and over again. So be sure to reach out to us. Um, you'll get both of us, uh, Ryan and me, so nobody is going to feel like that there's not somebody siding with them, and we don't take sides, but um, just so you feel comfortable that there's a representation. couple. Yeah, there's yeah. a representation <laughs> from a female perspective and a man's perspective. So, All right. Well, thank you for joining us for today's episode. And check us out on Instagram. Like, subscribe, all do all the things, right? And give us a, a review on wherever you're listening to this, Spotify that, or yes, Apple. That helps to spread the word. And it's all free. So you can just scroll to the bottom and give us a review. Give us a five-star rating, hopefully, and maybe write a little sentence. If you have any questions, shoot those at us as well. We would love to address them in our upcoming episodes. Yeah, that's all free support. But you can also support us financially. We are a nonprofit. And so our mission is to help Individuals discover purpose, date well, and build really strong, successful marriages that help complete that cycle when they have children. And they're building a culture of empowerment in their home where their kids discover purpose, date well, and have lasting marriages. And really, that's God's design for us, to love and be loved and to experience his love in a greater capacity every single day, more and more. And so that's the the mission of our ministry, but we need your support um, to help continue producing resources like this, books that are in development, some children's projects that we're working on, and also just marketing, getting the word out, and events. All of those events that you see, you know, we're funding those through our ministry and partnering with other churches as well. So go to moremostforever.com and hit that donate button and give become a monthly partner, or if you just want to give one time, we would appreciate any donation. God bless, and we will see you next time for another episode of Needed Conversations. We'll see you soon.